0: wherever you are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, I hope that you had a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday. I know that I sure did, and my family. We uh, did not go to Texas this year because of the pandemic, so we stayed home and uh, enjoyed a staycation. It was a great time of rest, and I'm glad to to be back, and I hope that uh, you're starting to get back into the swing of things as well. It's a new year, 2021, and I think we've all been welcoming this. We're just wondering how much of 2020 will follow us into this year. Um, I'm hopeful that as the year goes by, things will continue to return to normal. And as we, we've said and communicated with you, the church, that uh, at some point we will re enter the building with restrictions. So thank you for being patient and ask for your prayers for wisdom and discernment as we move forward together. So it seemed like an appropriate time this first Sunday of 2021 to share a little bit, um, to refocus us and and to remember who we are and where we're going as a church because of the dizzying effects of, of last year. Uh, so this is why I've pulled up a table here, and uh, if I had a fire, I would, have, I would have pulled that up here as well. But I do have a candle, you know. So I, I want this to, to, to be almost like a fireside chat and, a, and, a, and like it would be a conversation. And just talk about some things that, that you're familiar with because you've heard them before, but maybe, maybe you need a refresher uh, this morning. So before we jump into the message, though, I want to remind you that starting next Sunday through the rest of the month is a new series. It's called Pursuing Racial Justice. As you know, for the past several years, our Peace and Social Justice Commission has helped to design a month-long series that focuses on a peace and justice-related issue. Last year, we focused on creation care, and this year, we'll be addressing racism and what we can do about it. In a series, as I said, called Pursuing Racial Justice, How the Gospel Confronts America's Original Sin, uh, we're going to ask questions like, what does the gospel have to say about racism? What should Christians do in response to racial injustice? It's going to be an informative and a practical series. So I hope that you'll plan to join us next Sunday as we learn how to follow Jesus in solidarity with the vulnerable and testify to God's reconciling love to the world. So stay tuned this week to your inbox from the email from the pastor as I'll be sharing how you can join the church-wide learning community via Zoom uh, each Sunday morning. In the meantime, you can see our series outline and a wonderful lineup of speakers at our at our website at the peace and social justice page there, at granthamchurch.org. So check that out. Well, before we go any further and dive into today's message, uh, would you pray with me? Let's center and focus our hearts upon the Lord. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together, to open up our hearts and minds and to hear from you. Lord, we want to hear from you. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Remind us of who you've called us to be. Remind us of why we are members of Grantham Church. And this mission and vision that you are giving us to be a different kind of church, a church church. That looks like Jesus speak to our hearts now for your servants are listening in Christ's name we pray amen press on toward the goal that is the sermon title for today think about this do you ever when you are going through life or working on some project or task doing something you think why am i doing this what is the point where is this going You know, having a purpose or a goal is often necessary to complete the task and to do it wholeheartedly. You know, even if I were, you can think about hiking a trail as a metaphor for life. I'm walking along a trail and the trail starts to fade and then I can't see the trail anymore. This has actually happened to me. And and you're wondering, uh (laughs) uh-oh, what is going on here? Why has the trail just disappeared? Or maybe it just isn't a well-worn path, and, and you start to get a little nervous, like, where is this going? Uh, I don't know, and, and of course, that can really throw us off, and we lose sight of our, of our goal, and we actually start to, to panic, or we lose interest, and we just turn back and go the other way. Well, I think, um, you know, there are boundary markers in life. There are time markers, and there are seasons that help us to stop at various places, like signposts to stop and reflect, to assess where we're going, to recalibrate, you know, the the church calendar can serve as that, holidays can serve as that, and New Year can serve as that, where we stop and say, okay, let's look back for a moment and now let's look forward. Where are we? Where are we going? The beginning of a year is a great time to do that, especially as I said after the dizzying effects of 2020. To ask, what what am I called to do? Why am I here? What does God want from me? And what is our shared purpose at Grantham Church? Who are we and what are we about? I think it's a great time to to start there as we move into 2021. You know, the Apostle Paul helps us to answer that question in his letter to the Philippians. Uh, Paul writes this letter to the church at Philippi from prison. We're not real sure where, but we think it's in Rome, which would have been Paul's last stop before Uh, he was martyred for Christ. And Paul is going on about how he has suffered for Jesus and how his passion has been for Christ uh, and how really his calling has been different than other people's calling. But he wants to encourage the church to have the same kind of passion for the centrality and the supremacy of Christ. Regardless of what your unique uh, purposes are in life, your unique tax, tasks and callings and vocations, we all share this one. Listen to what Paul says to the church at Philippi in chapter 3, beginning of verse 10. He said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Oh, there's so much good stuff there, but also some things that are a little perplexing. So let's unpack these, these words here that Paul uses. He said, I want to know Christ. Now, that phrase, know Christ, the word know uh, is an intimate knowing. It is a relational knowing. This isn't just head stuff. Uh, this is a spiritual union kind of thing. You see, Paul finds Jesus inexhaustible. Now Paul had studied the law as if when he was Saul the Pharisee, right? He had studied the law. He tells us in other places that he was an expert and that he was good at it, like he knew his stuff. There was nobody better than him. He was the Hebrew of Hebrews, right? The Pharisee of Pharisees. But he's saying when it comes to Christ, I've not been able to reach the bottom of that well. Like that's how good, how deep, how wide the love of Jesus is and and how mysterious the person of Christ is. I want to know Christ in that way, Paul says. I want to know the power of his resurrection. What does he mean there? He says those who are in union with Christ can know his power within them. That's what Paul, I think, is saying. The same Jesus whom God raised from the dead, the glorified, resurrected Jesus is the Christ that you can know in an inward way. Now, folks, that's power. And that's the power that we walk around with, that we know. But too often we live defeated lives. We live as victims. Uh, we, we live like we don't have that kind of power with us. Oh, what the church could, in America could do if we realized that that Jesus is with us. We have union with that Christ. Ah, maybe then we'd start trying to do things in our own strength and learn how to tap in to the power of Christ, as Paul knew. You see, if the love of God, folks, on the cross it, it, it is seen very clearly, if it's seen most clearly in the cross, this love of Jesus, then his power is most visible in his resurrection. That's what Paul wants us to know. And he says then, participate in his sufferings. Now, what in the world is that about? I mean, who wants to suffer? Yeah, you know, nobody in their right mind wants to suffer. And Paul isn't saying, bring it on, as in the sense like he is somehow a glutton for this stuff, for, for pain and suffering, no. I know this sounds strange, but you know what, what he's getting at in the whole New Testament uh, tells us is that suffering is one way that we identify with Christ. In other words, when we're knowing Jesus and following Christ faithfully, at some point, the world is going to push back. The world is going to lash out at us. Now, I know right now, anyways, the suffering uh, that the church in America experiences is much different than, say, the church in Ethiopia or uh, Iran uh, or, or China or North Korea might experience. But nevertheless, in our own context, whatever that looks like, we should meet resistance with the world. And Paul's like, then so be it. If if that's what comes, I count that also as, as a part of Christ. The sufferings of Christ he tells us in 2 Corinthians fifteen five over Second uh, Corinthians one five, rather, uh, the, the sufferings of Christ overflow into our lives. And Paul says I want to be like him in his death. Wow, uh, what was Christ like in his death? Well think about it. Christ had surrendered to God's will. Christ was forgiving. Christ was loving. Paul wants to meet life that way. Whatever the hardships, whatever the trials, Paul wants to have that same attitude. Then he says in verse 11, attaining to the resurrection. The New Living Translation says, So that one way or, or another I will experience the resurrection, that resurrection power. Now but also later. Paul is like, it's important to keep my sights set on Christ, to know Christ, to stay on that path and to not lose focus because I want to reach the end. I don't want to give up. I don't want to quit. I don't want to abandon Jesus or or I won't reach that goal, Paul says. Now look at verse 12. He said, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus took hold of me. Now, look at that, it arrived at my goal. He said, I press on. This speaks of an athletic race. Paul is using a metaphor as a runner would run a race or a marathon, let's say, in Rome. And, and, um, and Paul is saying the Christian life is like this. I I run a race focused on the goal. And the goal is becoming is knowing and becoming like Jesus. Paul alludes then also to his encounter with the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus when he said, that Christ took a hold of me. And this is an experience Paul would never be able to forget. When, when was that experience for you when Christ took a hold of your heart? It's I think it's so important that we stay in touch with the, that moment and with those feelings and with those experiences that we first had. Often those experiences and those memories can regenerate life in us, can restore to us the joy of our salvation, can... Have us stop and say, "Yeah, this is why I got into this to begin with, because Christ took a hold of me. I'm going to press on toward this goal of knowing Him and making Him known." Verse thirteen, Paul says, "Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do: forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead." Paul is saying, "If you're going to run a race, you can't keep looking over your shoulder." And some of you are runners, or you've been runners in the past. Some of you even probably run marathons. If you're running a race or you're running around a track and you're looking back, yeah, that's kind of dangerous, right? I mean, you could trip and fall over yourself. You could run into someone else, but it's certainly going to slow you down. It's going to slow you down. Paul is saying, don't do that. In other words, if, of all people, Paul knows that there, there are things that we might look back that would be saying, Paul's saying, don't, you know, we're not proud of. Some of those things that we look back, we're not proud of, we're even ashamed of. That there are things that have happened to us, things that we've experienced that aren't pleasant. But we must forget it and leave it in the past so that we can move toward God's good future. If we don't, it's going to hinder our race. So do whatever you need to do to let it go. Confess, forgive, grieve, repent, heal, but be intentional about it, folks. So many believers in the church, I see this, no matter what church I've served in, who are not intentional about healing, you know, and hurt people hurt people, right? When when folks walk around with bitterness and then uh, walk around with hurt and then they project that onto others and they never really get serious about healing, about really dealing with what's going on inside and what the real problem is and, and letting Jesus meet us there and heal us, well... We can't be of use to God. Those kinds of things that happen in the church because people not dealt with their junk. So deal with your junk, especially the junk from 2020. Don't bring it into 2021. Repent, grieve, forgive, heal, do what's necessary. Otherwise, it's going to negatively impact your faith. Verse 14, again, Paul envisions an athlete like someone in the games in Rome, as I said, who wins and receives their prize from the emperor himself. Look at, he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Of course, Paul isn't talking about getting a prize from, from, from the emperor, but rather from Jesus. For Paul, it is Christ who reigns from heaven who will give him his reward for finishing the race. And Paul wants his readers to make his ambition their own. Verse 15, all of us then who are mature should take such view of things. And if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. Look at verse 15. Paul is confident that his view is right about his perspective on enduring faith and that mature believers will agree with him. So we should agree with him if we want to be mature. Verse 16, the Greek there literally says to to what we arrived by the same to walk. Meaning, strive for maturity but be content with what you have and where you are. The New Living Translation says, but we must hold on to the progress that we've already made. Don't lose those things. Keep going. Therefore, pressing on for us, church, those of us who are disciples, means that we continue to practice the fundamentals of our faith. That is the spiritual disciplines of prayer, of devotional reading, of Bible study, of fasting, of worship, of fellowship. All of these things, you know, are so important and they remain important. We never, we never lose those as we grow in Christ. They continue to give us life. And as a church, it means that we remember who we are, who we aspire to be and what God has called us to as we press on together with the basics of Christian discipleship and how we are embodying that at Grantham Church, how we're leading others to know the God who looks like Jesus. Uh, Here is a way that we have been talking about this at Grantham Church. We say we are intergenerational, that we're convergent, that we're third way. Let's look at those three uh, to begin with. In other words, our call is to bridge the divides in our world by beginning with our own church. If you notice that, when we say we're intergenerational, that we're all ages, all generations worshiping together very intentionally, and that we're convergent, we're holding traditional, ancient, together with the modern and contemporary worship, and all we do is another way that we're bridging divides. And of course, third way, which you've heard me talk a lot about at the end of last year, all of these things are are to promote and pursue diversity in our leadership, in our, in our congregation, to embrace convergent worship, to model third-way unity that bridges the divides of political and theological differences. We should get excited about this. There, You know, how many churches are being intentional about that? We also want to warmly welcome all who enter our doors and actively participate in meeting the needs of our local community and generously support our ministry partners in the U.S. and around the world. We're excited about those things. We also want to equip and empower our members to share their faith with those who are spiritually curious, to invite people to join us in worship and lead people Again, to the God who looks like Jesus. And we want to help our members understand their spiritual gifts, their talents, and skills as followers of Christ. And, and, and discover what our unique callings are. What it is that God wants you to do in knowing him and living out the gospel. We are helping equip disciples of Jesus here at Grantham. Uh, to bridge the divides, to be passionate about Jesus, and to make disciples. We want to make disciples who, who, as I said, are are passionate and overflowing with enthusiasm about Jesus. We are committed to spiritual formation and making disciples by working the spaces through public worship, learning communities, sermon-based small groups, and intimate accountability groups, which we hope to do more of in the future. And so think about that. We are working the spaces. Here's the graphic I've shown you before about what this looks like. We have public space, social space, personal space, and intimate space. And it's critical that we work all of these spaces together. Now, if you look at that graphic, we know that right now we can't do public space type stuff. Not until the pandemic uh, starts to wind down, come to an end where we have a hold of this thing, and we can re-enter the building and begin to enjoy that space. And I know we, we have grieved the loss of that, and, uh, and that's very important to us, and, and that's good, it should be. But we make a mistake when we neglect to see that the social, personal, and intimate space is also what it means to be the church. And this is why I've said all through the pandemic that this is an opportunity for us to experience the church in these other spaces that maybe we've not really invested in like we should, or maybe we've neglected. And so that's what I, I hope that God will teach us through the, the remaining uh, time that we have in this particular situation. While we can't work the public space right now, we can work the social, personal, and intimate spaces through learning communities, through small groups, through, through Bible studies, through friendships in the church, regular rhythms and routines in these spaces— Remember, part of being a disciple and making disciples is to maintain spiritual balance and health. And here's a graphic I've shown you before that helps us to see this. Notice what is the top of the triangle. God, which is the up. The church, which is the in. And the world, which is out. We want to be loving God through prayer, fasting, devotions, Bible study, all of those spiritual disciplines, as we said. And we also want to be loving each other through worship, service, accountability, all of those things together. And outwardly, we want to love unbelievers by sharing the gospel and being peacemakers and serving the poor and the needy. And it's important to keep a balance of these things. We're always working to maintain the up, the in, and the out. So we're working the spaces in the church, and we're also working the triangle, the up, the in, and the out. Again, remember what's at the top and where this begins for us. It begins by knowing and loving God. So it says to us, we must stay connected to Jesus. Listen to what Christ said in John chapter 15, verse 5. He said, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is saying, if you don't stay regularly connected to me, through conversation, right, through prayer, through Bible reading, uh, through our fellowship with other believers even, then you can't do this Christian life thing. You can't be a disciple. Jesus said, it, you can't do anything. You're not going to grow. Uh, you're not going to, to be the fully formed and fashioned human being that you need to be. You're not going to discover God's will for your life. You're not going to ultimately If you are a Christian, be happy. So we have to stay connected to Jesus. Listen to what he says in verse 6. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Jesus is very clear. If we want to produce fruit, if we want to look like him, if we want to grow... Well, we have to stay connected to the vine. As branches, we have to continue to get our life from the up. So, verse 7, notice he says, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. So I say this, church, since Jesus says that we can ask him for anything that involves the bearing of fruit and he will grant it, Right. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can proof text this verse and other verses like it and say, oh, I can just ask Jesus for whatever I want. You know, like he's Santa Claus. No, Jesus has in mind those things that bear fruit. And if you ask me for those things, if you if you have in mind spiritual growth and discipleship and becoming more like me and and your requests have to do with that, we'll ask. We have a guarantee from Jesus that he will grant it to us. So I'd like to invite you now in praying the following things this year. Jesus promised it, so let's do it. Would you pray for these following things? Number one, pray for the leadership at Grantham Church. Pray for the pastoral team and the church board. Uh, as I've said before, we are, have been and will continue to work on mission and vision a vision strategy, strategic planning for the next five years, which we're going to be bringing you in on very soon. Uh, but we need your prayers. We need your prayers that the Lord would guide us. The Lord would continue to build our team. The Lord would continue to give us clarity about who we are and where we're going as a church. Also, please pray for the search in the hiring process and the rebuilding of the church staff. It's Right now, it's me, Pastor Dave and Pastor Denise. And we're going to be hiring a part-time youth pastor as well as a full-time discipleship pastor as well as filling the support staff roles. We need your prayers for that. Pray that God would guide us in this process. And the third thing, pray for the development and implementation of that five-year mission and vision that I'm talking about, which we're gonna be bringing you in on. We we want to get excited by this vision. We wanna see very clearly who it is God's called us to be and what he's called us to do post-COVID and in a post-Christian society and culture. Pray for that. Pray for that, that God would give leadership, but also the congregation clarity about those things in the coming days, weeks, and months. And the fourth thing, pray for increased connection among our congregation. Pray that people wouldn't withdraw and just wait until we're back in the building. Pray that people would move forward and take take advantage of this opportunity to invest in the social personal intimate spaces of the church. Pray for the deepening of discipleship and spiritual growth in our members. And lastly, pray for increased passion, energy, and holy momentum. I believe that God is going to do that this year. I really believe that. At some point, right, we're, we're going to start bringing new team members on board. We're going to come back in the building at some point with restrictions and then probably toward the middle of the latter part of the year operating normally again so pray for these things pray that God would use all of these things and 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 the things that we've already been seeing him do positive things in the midst of all our trials that he would use that uh to to help propel us forward into his good future now why do these things matter They matter because this is about the furtherance of the Great Commission and the kingdom of God in our midst. And we have a part to play in that. Why do we want to grow our church in these ways? It's for the glory of God and the fame of his son. It's not about us. It's not about any of our leaders. This is about furthering the agenda of God. It is about knowing more of Christ's life, as Paul said, and pressing on toward the goal. We desire... To be a thriving church so that we might lead others to the God who looks like Jesus. And I really believe that that's what God desires for Grantham. I, I, I see this very clearly in my mind and heart, that we have a, an opportunity to be a different kind of church, a church for those who have been burned by, by fundamentalist expressions of Christianity, by those who are tired of what they see in evangelicalism because it doesn't look like Jesus. Those who may be cynical, who need to become hopeful realists, those who need to believe again, those who are looking for a a life-giving expression of Christianity, we can be that. A church that, as I said, bridges the divide, that's serious about following Jesus and looking like Jesus and leading others to the God Who looks like Jesus. We can do this. God has given us the resources and if we don't have them he says all we have to do is ask. Will you do that with me? Will you do that with your staff? Will you pray about these things and will you be so bold as to ask? You know this is what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. You've heard me use this verse many times before and I don't want us to forget it It's a prayer that Paul prayed, and I want it to be our prayer as we end today. He says, Now all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within Grantham Church, right, let's just put that in there, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Grantham Church, will you believe in Jesus to do greater things in 2021? Will you commit to praying, to giving, to serving, to staying connected, to working the spaces as you are able? And will you join me in in embracing a vision of, of of a God who looks like Jesus and bringing others to know this God, that we might be set free, that we might know his peace and his joy, That we might know his will for our lives and for our world. A world that's much better than the one we see right now. We can do it if we'll believe. And we can do it if we'll ask him for what we need. We have a lot of resources at Grantham. But what we don't have and what we need can be supplied to us if it's for the bearing of fruit. Jesus said all we have to do is ask and he'll give it. He'll grant our request. So I invite you to join me in asking, wherever we see needs, whether it's money, whether it's volunteers, whether it's new staff members, whether it is new ministries, whatever it is, may God deepen our faith this year. May God give us the boldness and the courage to imagine great things so that he can then blow our minds with even better things. I believe that, church. I'm calling you to believe that with me. Let's go into this year trusting God to provide for us and do great things. Let's make it a great year, church.